Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host Cody Kitchen sits across the table from Dr. John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. Welcome to Upon Further Review podcast, the show that takes a deep dive into Pastor John's sermons from the Sunday before. I'm your host, Cody Kitchen, and joined with me, as always, is the one and only Dr. John Hall. Good afternoon, everyone. Today's podcast will sound a little different. Instead of myself asking these questions, our very own John, Brother John, will be asking um, the questions instead. And so make sure to listen to the whole podcast episode to find out what's stupid in our That Stupid segment. And it's good this week. It is good. Yes. Brought to you by? Yours truly. That's right. So let's get this episode started. So, Cody, thank you, first of all, for supplying the pulpit in my absence this past Sunday. I was at a wedding for my niece and the entire family. We had a great time, but I appreciate you supplying them. The pulpit, and the title of your message was The Purpose-Driven Bible Fellowship Ministry, focusing on our Bible fellowship ministry here at Field Street Baptist Church. Yes. I'm confident there's some kind of copyright infringement in the title. (laughs) I'm sure there is. And as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'll probably go ahead and email Rick and let him know. What makes you feel good is I'm probably not the only one. Probably not. (laughs) So, as you ask me each week, I will ask you, as you were preparing this message, what are some things that came to your mind? It's a good question, as you always say. Um, I will say thank you for giving me the opportunity um, to preach. It was definitely an honor. And I think one thing in particular that came to mind very early on when I decided to preach on the Bible Fellowship Ministry was how important our Bible Fellowship Ministry is to the life of the church. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think we often say it, and just sometimes just say it because that's something we've been we've been told that it is. But I think even seeing the as I was preparing the purposes and kind of getting my main points and ideas that I wanted to talk about of seeing how much small groups in in this instance our Bible fellowship has played a role in my life um, in many different areas, but especially these four areas of how it, it has allowed me to be in growing, uh, the, the growing Christian, I guess, for lack of better words, uh, and, and helped me in that growth was Sunday school, the small group setting. Yeah. So that was kind of the main thing I thought about and wanted yeah. kind of that main purpose to get out to others of how important it is. Yeah, good. So. Well, as most folks probably know here at Field Street Baptist Church, we simply call the Sunday School Ministry Bible Fellowship. Yes. It's the same thing. You say tomato, I say tomato. (laughs) Although, who really goes around saying, hand me the tomato? So you began the message by identifying that Bible Fellowship, from your perspective, has four distinct purposes. I thought these purposes were helpful to understand what we are striving for with the Bible Fellowship Ministry as part of Field Street Baptist Church. And you identified that the first purpose of our Bible Fellowship Ministry is connection. Fundamentally, we want people to connect 
first to Christ and second to one another. And you emphasize the value of relationship. You identified, which I liked, through the course of your sermon, I appreciated the additional biblical text you brought to bear. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, in, in supplementing your, your key ideas. So that's always effective for preachers to do, by the way. Yeah, so you identified connection, and you identified that uh, we as humans innately long to be in community because we are created that way by our Creator, God. And Bible fellowship ideally provides uh, a community, a small group. So uh, for anyone, a believer or uh, unbeliever, specifically, it can be a perfect opportunity for either person who is already connected to Christ or is not yet a follower of Christ to be connected to a small group of people who should love and nurture and guide them. The second purpose you identified was biblical instruction, that the goal, one of the goals and purposes of the Bible Fellowship Ministry is to teach people the Bible. So you mentioned that our desire is for people to hear and learn from the Word of God. Yes. And you tell us that our Bible Fellowship classes should be a place that people come into and hear God's Word and are challenged to apply it to their lives. That's true. One of the things you said was that if we do not know God's Word for ourselves and do not apply it, how can we expect to share it with a desperate world? In your sermon, you said that we do not teach the Bible, but that the Bible teaches us. The question is, what is the difference between teaching the Bible and teaching people the Bible? Hang on, let me get my pen. <laughs> I appreciate this softball question. You're welcome. The first, uh, I was nervous coming into it, what you were going to ask me. So, uh, so I appreciate that it's, that it's this question. But, it's, uh, the, it's the professor in me. Oh, yes. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I think to start out, yeah, it would be wrong not to bring Scripture into it, whereas in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, talks about how the Bible is a living and active Word of God, and it is like a double-edged sword. And so I think simply the Bible is God's Word, and we don't teach anyone. I'm sorry, we don't teach the Bible anything. The Bible is God's Word. It's already set. It's already um, God's spoken Word. There's nothing that is, it is infallible, so there's nothing that is wrong in the Bible. Scripture is God's holy Word. Right. So... I know what people say when they say that, but I do think that there is it is something in the English language that I think we need to be mindful of is that we don't teach the Bible anything, but we do teach the Bible people the Bible, meaning we teach them what God's Word says and how to apply it to their lives so that because the Bible is the living Word of God, it is living and active, meaning it transforms our life. Mm. It's what guides us. It's what... It's the part where Paul talks about sanctification, um, that we are sanctified, and the Bible does, through the Spirit, is what helps that sanctification process. Um, we know what God says because His Word tells us. Right. Um, and so simply put, I think Hebrews 4.12 really does help guide that, if that the Bible still applies. I said this in my sermon at the end, that the, the purposes that we are given in Scripture— 
and there's many problems that we face in life, we can go to Scripture and find out the answer. Mm. Um, oftentimes we dilute that, though. And I say we, just we as people, not we as field street. Right. Uh, but the people definitely sometimes dilute God's truth, but the reality is our answers are there. Yeah. I, I appreciate the distinction, and <clears throat> I too would recognize that we know what we mean when we say we're, we teach the Bible. Absolutely. Um, but it is an important delineation to establish that really we're teaching people the truth of Scripture, which always and forever points us to Christ, who is the key character of Absolutely. God's Word. So I, I, I think it's important to nail down and just remind everyone that one of the purposes of Bible Fellowship, and I think you said it well, is to instruct people in the truth of God's Word. Mm. And frankly, I've said this over and over, that <clears throat> you cannot I even identify what is false and deceiving if you don't have the truth uh, systematically taught in your mind and as it infiltrates your heart. That's good. So w- people are so vulnerable to the deceptions of the world if they have not committed to the regular study of the Scripture. That's good. Privately, corporately. And I, I'm very appreciative of this purpose that you have put before our, the congregation, just reminding us of how important it is to teach people the Scripture. You, you say this often, and I think it's worth pointing out, in, when talking about VBS or even Awana, you say often how important it is that our children's get the children get the word of God inscribed in their heart mm-hmm. and that they learn these common truths. And I think I think that truth is is what helps us in these times as we grow is because if we know the truth, even when we were little and we continue to know that and inscribe in our heart, it's harder in bunny ears, I guess, quotes and air quotes, harder for us to fall away from the truth than it would be if we've never heard the truth, you know, a, as we were young. Right. In general. And so I, I know that's kind of going away from the point, but I, I think it's important, as you've said often, that even knowing the truth and having it inscribed in our hearts is what matters. Yeah, good point. And that's one of the reasons why we do have an age-graded mm. Bible fellowship ministry right. is to make certain that we are systematically, thoughtfully teaching people the Scripture from the cradle until they pass and go to be with the Lord. Mm. And I, I think any church that's serious about Christ is going to instruct the people about Christ, the truth surrounding Christ, the doctrines that lead us to have a high and exalted view of God, the person work of Christ, the regenerating work of the Spirit. I mean, we could go on and on. But Sunday school is a, a monster pillar of what our church is about. We can't. We we wouldn't be the same church if we jettisoned Bible fellowship in large part because of the two purposes you've already established: connection and biblical instruction. So let me plow on. The third purpose you identified in your sermon was that Bible fellowship provides opportunities for ministry, and you commented 
from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20 that God has called us in a safe state to go and therefore be ministers of reconciliation, that we're on mission with and for God. And, and one of the components of Sunday school is to equip God's people to do the work of ministry beyond the four walls of the church. Mm-hmm. And I think, as you have established, that Bible Fellowship provides those ministries uh, and opportunities to engage in those ministries. So you tell us of the benefits, Bible Fellowship, uh, say that it can be a springboard for new members to get connected through other ministries of the church, which is true. You say that we should move from being attenders to participants, and that's absolutely true. And Bible Fellowship provides a way for people to get engulfed in the life of the church, mainstreamed into the life of the church, needed, you know, like you need the dough, uh, massaged into the to the DNA of the church. So what would you say then is the single most significant component of an effective Sunday school class? That's good. That's a good question. And I, I think, as I said on Sunday, that there's, you know, if you look at a mosaic tile that, you know, there's one little tile that's messed up, then it can distort the whole picture. And I was using that in reference to how all four purposes are really important to Bible fellowship. But I think this question, going a little deeper, I think there's something that is 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 important on all boards from elementary age, preschool age, to, as you said, going to glory class. The class right before glory is, I think, faithfulness. And we talked about this the other day, um, but being faithful and being faithful not only um, in our Sunday school classes, but also being faithful in our own walk with, with Christ. Is If you look in Matthew, I think it's chapter 25, if I remember right, where Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant, is, you know, when we, when we get to glory, um, we're going we're gonna to hear, well done, or maybe we won't hear, but hopefully we hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeah. And so I think there's this key in we, what we hear in scriptures that we are to be faithful. And so I would hope that not only every teacher, every worker, but even every member that is a part of Sunday school is a faithful member. Mm-hmm. Faithful in obviously being present, but being faithful in, in their walk with Christ, I think most important out of all of that, being faithful in, in showing up for others, being present, being faithful also to the command to be in fellowship. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think we can, you know, make that prolong. You understand the point, but I think the most significant component is it ha- we have to be faithful people, faithful teachers. Me as being in charge of Bible fellowship, you as having the church as a whole is being faithful to what God has called us to be. Right. And part of faithfulness is consistency. And I've learned and even in youth ministry when I was doing youth before this is, and I'm sure children are the same way, but the moment there's a moment of inconsistency, students go off on doing their own thing. And so I learned the more that I'm consistent in everything I do, more and more students come along because they long for consistency. Yeah, predictability. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I, think, I think you've touched on something that's really important for all of us is the uh, how consequential faithfulness or unfaithfulness mm-hmm. is. 
And as it relates to the Sunday school ministry, that's a really important component. Absolutely. Faithfulness to prepare, faithfulness to show up, faithfulness to participate, faithfulness to apply. And then I think faithfulness to stir us to study the Scripture for ourselves outside of our Sunday morning small group hour. In fact, I would just say, why would you only read the Scripture and study it on the Lord's Day? Hmm. You don't eat once a week. (laughs) Most people that I've seen don't just eat once a week. We typically have two or three meals a day and some snacks in between. That's even a lesson for our spiritual Hmm. consumption is to carve out a time every day where we faithfully open God's Word and hear from Him. Mm. So I appreciate I think it's a, a good answer to consider. Thank you for it. Thank you. So we've hit uh, connections, biblical instruction. We've talked of opportunities for ministry. And then the last purpose you identified in the message was accountability. And you call our attention to Hebrews chapter two, uh, 10, pardon me, verses 23 through 25, which is a great passage and you share an example of how you and a college friend uh, have given each other the freedom and permission to hold each other accountable for life's more important aspects. Yeah. And I think all of us probably would benefit from some kind of accountability. I don't think we, you know, I don't, any and every person I meet on the street, I want to engage in that kind of relationship, right? Absolutely. But there are those that that know us well and still choose to be our friends. That's helpful to have someone to hold you accountable. And theoretically and even ideally, the Sunday school class can provide that, uh, that kind of accountability for our spiritual growth, our morality, our faithfulness to our mates, our effectiveness as parents, and to foster those kinds of relationships. I don't personally think that happens quickly. And, again, that may speak to the issue of faithfulness. Over a period of time, you grow as a class, and that evolves. But I I do think it's a very important purpose of, of Bible fellowship, that small group that can provide... Um, people in our lives who can hold us to account for the things that matter. So having said all that, um, you establish how accountability is important and accountability can be fostered and formed by the teacher of the class. So in your view then, because the teacher of a class is so important to the effectiveness of a class, you have to have a good leader. Uh, in your view, then, what are three desired traits in an effective teacher slash leader of a Bible fellowship class? That's a good question. <laughs> and I think to start off this way of, you know, just adding to what you've already said, is that I think the Bible fellowship teacher, Sunday school teacher, any teacher is what makes or breaks a class. Yes. And, and so I think with that, I think the first thing for sure, which is a no-brainer to me, is I think they need to be gifted in teaching and been given that gift 
by God. And I know that I'm, I know I say that and we walk on some rocks by saying that, but I do think if you're not gifted to teach, then why teach? Because I think the first thing is scripture talks about how those that teach scripture are held more accountable. And so I think for me, and I even struggle with that or have struggled with that in the past of God, if you're calling me to this, you got to help me. <laughs> and I know because of God's faithfulness that if it's a gift that he's given me, he, that's all he will do is help me. And so I start off saying that, that I think that's the first, uh, the first attribute or trait in any leader would be, well, first the trait be that they're, that they're able to teach. Part of that being on the first trait is they're teachable. Because if you can't, if you can't, if you can't be teachable, then how do you expect to teach? How do you learn? How do you grow? And so I think a big part of that is being teachable. Um, and we can continue to use words mm-hmm. for that, humble, whatever, whatever. Right. But I think that's the big first thing. And the second, kind of going from the second question, but someone who's faithful, mm-hmm. faithful in their own life, um, that the, a part of that faithfulness is a, a, you might have a better word for this, but the grittiness in the sense of wanting to work hard, wanting the be- wanting to be the best, will never achieve the, to be the best, but wanting that, desiring to, I hope that I'm the best Bible fellowship teacher there is. Mm. I think we all should want that. Um, I don't think we should have this desire to be YMCA in the sense of, you know, um, I, at least I tried, I'm an okay teacher. Well, yeah. We should want to be the best. And mm. so I think a, a good trait of, um, I don't know what a good word for that is, but just wanting to be the best, mm. um, the faithfulness, a part of that. And a third one, and I know that, you know, this could probably be argued, but I think in my own life, I've always been drawn to the ones, the teachers that are hospitable, that have that trait of hospitality, of being welcome into the class. And the teachers that I've come a part of that maybe aren't the best in hospital, being hospitable, have somebody within their class that's kind of a leader in their class that is hospitable. Um, Because I think of not just in our Bible fellowship, but just even in welcoming people to the church is if we're not hospitable and you don't feel welcomed into the life of the church or a class, then everything else, even if it's great, could possibly go down the drain because they don't feel welcome. They don't feel, but I also understand not everybody's that way. Yeah. Um, but I do think that some teachers that I do know that aren't really hospitable, they do a really good job of bringing people in that are hospitable that help kind of that lack of. So I'm not saying that all teachers have to have these three right. traits, but I think in the class form, if you are a teacher, having these are very important. Yeah. And I know I'm sure you can come up with a whole different three that are <laughs> well, a lot better. Well, but. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> They'd be different, but I think if you ask 10 people, sure, you're gonna, going to get 10 different articulated traits yeah. of what would make an effective Sunday school teacher. So I think it's an interesting question just to consider generally. Absolutely. And when we think about, well, who are effective Bible fellowship teachers at Field Street, or who have we come across through the years that we thought, man, they are really a good teacher, or they are really doing a great job with their class. And I, I think... I think there are a variety of types and kinds of people with varying gift mixes that have proven themselves effective in 
and building and growing a class. Um, so it's interesting, like your first identification was you need to be gifted. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that per se, but uh, I think I, I wouldn't want anyone listening to think, oh my gosh, I'm not, I, pardon me, I, I don't think that I'm gifted as a teacher sure. and then bail. Because I think there are other ways to lead a class and still ensure that biblical truth is being shared, even sure. if that individual doesn't necessarily have a high comfort level with I'm really clever and astute with handling the scripture. Sure. And I think we could probably identify through the years churches we've been affiliated with where we've seen individuals who, man, they're really effective. Their class works. They are opening the Bible. It may not be you know, like a seminary professor teaching it, but they do a great job with their class. Their class loves one another. They minister to each other. They minister to and welcome new people. So you've really touched on a lot of things that are certain um, very positive things to consider and Absolutely. think about. And there's a lot of, I, I think the Lord puts a lot of people together in different ways, and we utilize them in the Bible Fellowship Ministry because, A, it's our largest ministry, and, B, sometimes we are guilty of just, man, we just need a, someone with a beating heart yeah, and a willingness. I'll take someone with a beating heart and a fire in their belly to want to love people and, and open the Bible and, and do their best to teach it versus someone who's brilliant as a teacher but... They don't really care about people. You can't count on them to show up. Some of these things that we've mentioned on the podcast, and they just miss so many. They don't check a lot of other boxes, but they're brilliant. You know what sure. I'm saying? No, absolutely. Uh, so I, I think it takes all types and kinds. Absolutely. And we have all kinds of classes, even here at Field Street, where there's a, a, a broad spectrum of, you know, what – what we might say, oh, that class, you know, they really dig into the scripture. In other classes, it's more of a nurturing and caring community, and they love one another, and the Bible is open, and they discuss life, and they weave in God's word in the discussion of life and what's going on in your family and how are things at work, and I have this friend who's going through the struggle. I think they both work. Yeah. And so there's a lot of ways to get to the desired result, which is, People being more like Christ. Absolutely. So if the goal is to get people to be more like Jesus, there are several ways to get there. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I'm not hijacking your no, question. I'm just more or less trying to supplement it because I, I really appreciate what, what you've offered here. And, again, I don't disagree with it. I'm just more or less adding to it. Because uh, my experience growing up in the church was I had varying degrees of People who are really good with the Bible versus they're just really good with people. And I learned from both. Absolutely. Um, I learned from both. I mean, like a Jerry Wakefield who he couldn't even find the Gospel of John in the Bible. Now, that's an exaggeration. But, man, he showed up every Sunday. He cared about a bunch of ninth-grade boys who were just wild hares. I don't know why he didn't just walk out. They stayed with us, showed up every Sunday, really cared about us. Sometimes show up at our sporting events. But on Sunday morning, <laughs> he's, he's all thumbs when it came to the Bible. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's not that he, he'd find, you know, he'd open the, the text and he'd read a few verses and make some comments about it. What do y'all think? And that just wasn't his super, but it, the value he added, you know, I'm talking about him. Because yeah. the, the, the splash he made in my life because he cared about a, a 15-year-old who was insecure and, you know, wandering around acting like a fool. So, you know, the, if I think the purposes you've identified help us understand how we want to get to the goals. And the goal is to be obedient to Christ. And so I, I appreciate the sermon and, and, and your answers this afternoon. Yeah, and I appreciate you adding that because by no means would I want anyone to think that I'm saying that you have to be, yeah, you, <laughs> you know, the special a PhD calling, in New right? Testament. Yeah, because I definitely don't, <laughs> well, I don't by either. any means. <laughs> and uh, and but yeah, I think what you added is very. I mean, there's been plenty of teachers in my life who there's some that are over my head, and I don't even understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. They're they're right in what they're saying. I just don't understand it. Yeah. My brain's not as big as theirs. Yeah. <laughs> but in the same setting as I've learned just as much from someone who's just faithful with what the Scripture says and the way that they teach the Scripture. And so I, I appreciate that you added that. Because by no means would I want anyone to think that I'm saying that they have to have the, a degree in yeah, uh, and, you, and you did say master that. divinity by any means. Right, but. and you didn't even imply that. I think it's just a helpful clarification. Because there, there was I a season that. in my own life where if you'd have told me, I I, I would have, if you said, what do you think your gifts are? I would have never said, mm-hmm. I have the gift of teaching. Absolutely. I just wouldn't say that. So am, am I disqualified from serving in the Sunday school ministry? Right. Well, what you know of me, you'd be like, no, dummy. Absolutely. So, I get what you're saying. I don't disagree. I think, I think, behind that is because we've talked about this offline that it's the passion for showing up, mm-hmm. the passion for being prepared. And there's a difference. I, you know, guy who's prepared and loves people, man, they're a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. And they grow their classes and they nurture their people and they're good shepherds of their little flock. And we praise God for those folks yeah. versus those, you know, we can't count on to be here one out of four Sundays to teach. It's devastating. So yeah. um, anyway, I think I think this was a very important reminder for our church, why we value Bible fellowship, what the purposes are of a effective Sunday school ministry. So I think it was a real value uh, for Sunday, and thank you for doing that. You have you have some final thoughts before I get to that stupid. We're over we're over time, so oh really? Wow, yeah. so, man, I'm telling you, there's a bunch of wisdom here in this in this podcast. <laughs> that's why I, that's why I asked John to be a part of it. Oh goodness, because you have no idea the <laughs> amount of wisdom that we get from this man. So I don't know. I think my final thoughts just simply are that we be a people and more of a church that God. Um, is pleased by how we lead our ministries. And I think that's was my biggest hope as I was preaching, is one, that God would find me faithful in his word, mm-hmm. but two, that as I lead, that I've been given this provision to be you know, over Bible fellowship, is that he would find even me faithful in, in how I'm leading. Yeah. And so that I, in that, I'm saying the last word is that, may he find us as his, as his church uh, to be faithful in how we are growing as believers. Yeah, it's good. So transitioning now to that stupid segment. My lovely daughters. I have three daughters. They're all young adults. And uh, 
I'm at that stage of life where for Father's Day, my girls took me to the movies. And they brought my bride along as well. We went to see The Flash. And this is not an endorsement for The Flash, so everybody calm down. (laughs) However, it is an entertaining movie. Hmm. And peppered throughout the movie are flashbacks of characters and actors who've played Batman. And probably the most iconic in DC history is Michael Keaton, hmm. who plays uh, who played Batman in Batman and I think Batman Returns. And he has some great lines in those movies <laughs> anyway. So he has some cameos, Michael Keaton does, and in my humble opinion, Keaton steals the show from Ezra Miller, who plays the lead character, The Flash. Hmm. So uh, I I won't give any spoilers, but uh, The Flash messes up the time continuum because of Of his ability to accelerate himself at supernatural kind of speeds. He can go back in time. And he went back in time to save his mom from being murdered. Hmm. Anyway, there's consequences for this. And Batman, who's played at one point by Ben Affleck, tells him there's consequences if you start messing with time. Basically advises him, don't do this. It's not going to end well. Anyway, long story short, we get to the end of the movie, and we've seen all these cameos of different actors who've played Batman. So at the very end of the movie, when it seems that everything has been made right, we're back in the present day, Bruce Wayne pulls up in this fancy, richy, rich car, and they don't show the face of who Bruce Wayne is. They just show him opening his vehicle, and his uh, feet hit the ground. He starts walking up to uh, Barry Allen, who, who, of course, a.k.a. Flash. And then the, the camera pans up, and it's George Clooney, <laughs> who is, in my opinion, the worst Agreed. of all the actors that have played the Batman. And I thought to myself, how stupid. <laughs> that is stupid. I mean, I was just, I had popcorn on my mouth. I almost threw it up. <laughs> I kind of threw up in my mouth a little bit because I just thought he was a terrible Batman. Then I read, even today, that they had actually... Warner Brothers had actually asked Christian Bale to do the cameo. The best one and he opinion. said, no. <laughs> no. And I kind of, you know, agree he didn't need to, but I thought it almost ruined a perfectly good movie with George Clooney. If you really want to be entertained, pull up a picture of George Clooney in the bat suit and tell me that ain't the weirdest thing you've ever seen. I did pull one out right before this. <laughs> and, and I'm not going to talk about it on the air. <laughs> but that was stupid. That is stupid. That was stupid. That's a good. Yes. That's good. <laughs> well, guys, again, we're so thankful for joining us. And to end this session, always remember, make Christ known by what you say and how you live. Have a great week. Thank you all for listening. And be sure to subscribe to Upon Further Review so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to us at info at fieldstreet.com. Thanks for tuning in.